things are things are crazy today amen i mean i don't know about you but life in general just seems to be just like this right now like there is there is no way to tidy this up to make it look pretty i mean we are just running back and forth we are trying to get stuff done we're working hard kids are growing and and just so much is happening and i i want to tell you just at south bay chapel um we try not to put on too much of a front that everything's all together we love jesus we serve him he's all together amen i mean he's got everything all you know perfect but we are being shaped and molded by him so that means sometimes we show up to church and things just go crazy powerpoint doesn't work or or someone gets sick or or kids cry or or just something nothing goes we we don't we don't have this illusion of this a moment where where the 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 roof opens up and it shines down on our head and we have this pristine moment i find that god he blesses us in the midst of this chaos of life and i want to encourage you that that while all the things around us might be going crazy and might not be going according to plan there's a god who sees us in the midst of that there is a god who is who has placed us in this place to seek him in spite of the circumstances whether that's within a church service or if that's just during the week. I'm here to tell you that this week was one of the hardest weeks of my life. It was tough. So much happened this week. And it wasn't so much big things. It was little things. Just little things one after another. One little setback here. One little setback there. Uh, uh, plans to do this. Nope, we're not doing that anymore because this has come up. Just so much. And I'm imagining that, that, that your life is much the same. If it's anything like mine... It's just like that. Maybe even worse. Maybe even more amplified. If you've got more children or more responsibilities or, or more jobs and, and more things to do. I, I want to tell you that today, that in spite of all of that, all of that leads to despair, hopelessness, depression. It leads to oppression. It feels like, like the world is closing in on you, like your shoulders each and every day just get heavier and heavier and heavier. And I'm here to tell you and to proclaim to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that sets us free from this very burden. Church, I want you today to do nothing less than to, to not turn a blind eye to your problems, to not pretend they're not there, but to look them square in the eye and say, I have Jesus, and this is hard, and I don't like this, but I have Jesus. And at the end of this, I will be standing, and the circumstances will be gone, and the trial will be over, and I will be standing in the power of Jesus. That's what I want for you today. Now, some of you you're going, Pastor Tony, you're starting at 100 miles per hour. we got to slow it back. Di get us dialed in here. Don't just start like a cannon in the face. I, where the, no, there's no PowerPoints. There's no five-point sermon. I'm here to just tell you, to remind you, to proclaim to you the good news of Jesus. Because, honestly, the five-point sermon and the illustrations and the funny stories and, 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 and the heart-wrenching memories, they don't mean anything if we don't know Jesus. You must know Jesus today. Amen? I said it earlier during our ties. If you're going to give anything today, give your life to Jesus. Now, that being said, turn to the book of John, chapter 1. We are going to look at 
how the Holy Spirit seals us, how his job, one of his jobs, one of his many functions has been to come and to seal the Christian, to seal the follower of Jesus, the disciple of Jesus. Now, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 6 tells us about John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Verse 9, we shift our attention back to Jesus. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. We're going to stop right there. Today, I come before you, not with a methodology, not with an ideal. I come to present to you Jesus. In all that I in all that I have, that I have the ability to proclaim him today, that is the message I give to you. Jesus Christ. Let us look to Jesus this morning. In John, we see this description, this, this account of who he is. Jesus is perfect, pure, holy, everything. John says everything that we see that was made was made through him. Nothing that we see that was made was not made through him. When we, when we read about Jesus in the Bible, we see perfection personified. We see sinlessness. We see the God who was in heaven who came as a missionary to this earth to die in our place, to live perfectly. To, to sacrifice perfectly, to die perfectly, to please his perfect father, because we could not. You see, what I want to do today is I want to do something in reverse. Normally I come to you and say, hey, Romans 3 and 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Can you agree with me that we are sinners? That's kind of my, kind of my approach, usually. And, uh, and, and this week I'm going to do it a little different. I'm going to tell you about Jesus and how perfect he is and how holy he is and how great and awesome he is. And then we're going to compare ourselves to him. Now, church, if we compare ourselves to one another, if we were to line up right here from, from levels of sin, from least to most, we would argue all day. We would try to, we would try to categorize different types of sin. We'd say, no, this sin is worse than that sin, and we're both sinning, but I'm, I'm not sinning as much as you in that area as you are. And we would just have a field day trying to figure out who, who is the least and who is the most uh, uh, sinful. 
Or we would argue that, no, no, we're good people. I give and I serve and I love and I sacrifice. No, certainly God must approve of me. Let us just hold ourselves up to Jesus. Put yourself in that place, right? Close your eyes. Imagine yourself before the presence of the perfect, holy, pure God of all creation. And now look at yourself. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verse 1, there's this account of Isaiah going before the throne of God. Isaiah was a prophet of God. Isaiah was going to be used by God to proclaim a message to the nation of Israel. And Isaiah stands before God. Now, now most of us, we go into the presence of God, for those of us who know what that even means, and we go in and we just throw elbows, and we go in and we force our way in, and we have uh, quote-unquote boldness. We see Isaiah go before the throne of God, and he starts seeing stuff. He's seeing angels flying around. They look scary enough. He sees this big, uh, uh, the train of, of the Lord fills the temple. He's mighty. He's huge. He's, he's scary. He, he's too much for Isaiah. Isaiah doesn't go in demanding and, and, and saying, give me this, give me that. I want this. He falls. He realizes his unholiness. He says, God, I am a man of unclean lips. And I come from a people of unclean lips. I, our, my very mouth is an instrument of evil. I, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. You see, that's, that's the kind of awestruck wonder and, and, and holy fear that fills a person that meets God who has not been made right by Jesus. You see, before we ever become a child of God, we're an enemy of God. And if we will just be honest with ourselves, I don't, need to, I don't need a laundry list of all the things you do or don't do. You know you better than I ever will. You know your life. You know what you are doing that you should not be doing. And you know what you're not doing that you should be. You know whether you're living for Jesus or not. I stand here as a pastor of 12 years uh, preaching who knows how many sermons and Bible studies. I will tell you there are days where I don't know if I'm living for Jesus or not. I'll just be quite honest with you because there are days where there are so many things that come before him. And at the end of the day, I'm sitting there and I'm repenting. Jesus, I am so sorry that I have lived in such a way where you are not my, my greatest joy throughout this day. That, that I have looked away from the glory of your son to look at all these little trinkets and, and, and shiny things that, that catch my attention for a moment and are empty. We are very deceitful with ourselves. We just, we lie to ourselves. We let the flesh lie to us. We let Satan lie to us. We let sin lie to us. Let's just for one moment just be honest with ourselves. Can we, now that we've gone through the holiness of God and who he is and how perfect he is and how unperfect we are or imperfect we are, we can agree with Romans 3 and 23 that, that yes, we have, I have, you have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That he has a mark and a standard and we are desperately far away from that mark. I mean, it's not like we're barely grasping it with our fingers. We're almost there. We, we're not even off the ground. His mark, his standard is so high. 
But here's the good news. Here is the best news. Here is the only news that will matter from here till eternity. Jesus has come to die, to live, to die, to be resurrected on your behalf. You see, if you find yourself being convicted of the Holy Spirit today, that, that you indeed realize, oh man, I've done this and this. I did this twice this week. I do this really well. And I did that a long time ago. If I had more time, I'd do it again. And I'm avoiding this and I'm avoiding Jesus. And I don't, you know, I know he's there, but I'm hiding from him. I mean, if that's your life, then, then today's your day to repent of that. But the good news is that Jesus came and died for that. Knowing that you and your death would be insufficient to satisfy the wrath of God, God himself stands in your place to receive the wrath that he pours out. See, when God saves you, he's not just saving you from hell, which is very real, okay? God is saving you from himself. God is saving you from his wrath. The Bible says that his wrath is just. That means if he pours out his wrath upon you, it's a mathematical equation that adds up. You sinned. He's perfect. You've betrayed him. He has told you that he would punish you for that. So if he were to pour out his wrath upon you, that's justified. But instead of pouring that out upon you, Jesus stands in your place and receives all of that wrath. That is, Jesus died and hung on the cross 2,000 years ago, that his, his body was broken and bruised for our sin, for our iniquity. Now, some of you know this, and you have given your life to Jesus, whether it was recently or it's been decades, you've given your life to Jesus. And you're not firing on all cylinders, you're not always successful, but, but at the end of the day, you're a, a Christian. If you're not a Christian today, please give your life to Jesus. I don't want there to be any smoke and mirrors. We're not trying to lure you in with coffee and then, boom, Jesus! You know, we're not, potluck, Jesus! Like, it's not, a, it's not a bait and switch routine. Our, our main goal at South Bay Chapel is that you would know Jesus. And if we get some coffee along the way, glory to God, right? <clears throat> um, the good news is that Jesus has made a way. And, and, and whether we know it or not, once we become a Christian, once we give our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and seals us. Okay, now this is important because many of us walk around and we're just not sure. Did I really give my life to Jesus? Am I, am I really saved? Am I really a Christian? You know, Philippians 2, I believe, says to handle our fear or to work out our, or excuse me, handle our salvation, work out our salvation in fear and trembling. Are we really saved? Turn to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. As you're turning there, if that is your, if that is what your mind is saying today, well, am I really saved? I don't, I said that prayer, I didn't feel anything different. I still, you know, I, I, I sinned this week or I sinned today. I, I know I'm not perfect. Shouldn't there be some change or something? I want you to, to keep those questions fresh in your mind. And let's read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. It says, In him, that's Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance, 
having be, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory verse 13 in him that's Jesus you also when you heard the word word of truth what is the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and believed in him we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Today you have been presented with the word of truth. What is the word of truth? The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That, that though you were a sinner, Christ died for you because he loves you. Because he loves the Father and the Father sent him to do that. So he did it. Because he loves you. He seeks to reconcile with you. He wants to make things right with you. Today, believe in the grace that has been extended to you through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of truth that has been shared to us. As you believe, you will be sealed by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is our guarantee or our down payment or our, our, our promissory note that Jesus, indeed, we belong to him and he will return one day to take us home. You see, I could preach to you the gospel all day long. The grace of God has given you opportunity today, has given you opportunity today, not in general, specifically to you, to receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. But it's up to you to believe. Now, God has given you the ability to believe. But will you? Will you believe? You might say, Pastor Tony, I get it, but I, I'm having a hard time. There was a, there was a dad once in the Gospels who, whose son was demon-possessed. And, and Jesus said, Where, where's your belief? Where's your faith? And the father, I'm paraphrasing, but basically the father says, I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. Pray that today, Lord. Something's happening. I don't know, but in, increase my my belief. Help my unbelief today. Pray against that. Pray for belief in your life today. Paul tells the Ephesian church that we have been sealed. And what does that mean? You know, most of us we don't deal with with seals anymore. We deal with envelopes, or we deal with email, really. But if we send out a letter. You know, we lick the backside of an envelope, we paste it down, and, and that's our proof that when it gets to its uh, desired location, if that seal is still there, then it's proof that no one's tampered with it, and the person we sent it to is the first person who saw it. So back in the day and age before self-sealing envelopes, you would have scrolls, and what you would do is you would melt wax or put clay on the edge of the scroll, and then you would take a, a stone or a stamp or a ring, and you would put your symbol on there. You would press that into that, and that would be proof, as long as that was unbroken, that, that no one had tampered with this. Nobody but the person who's supposed to see it has seen it. That seal was your, your signature. The Bible says that in the same way that a scroll has been sealed till its desired uh, 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 destination has been achieved, we too... We have been sealed. We bear the mark of Jesus on us until the day that we get to eternity to be with him. You see, we don't have to fear losing our salvation. 
We don't have to fear God leaving us or forsaking us. We don't have to fear God saying, you know what, I made a choice, but now you're turning out to not be such a good investment. I'm going to go ahead and discard you because I don't like you anymore. No. He has sealed us. What's more, he's given us the Holy Spirit, the prom the guarantee that we have Jesus. That if we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, then, then that is our proof that we are saved. We read Galatians chapter 5, we see what the fruit of the Spirit is. Peace, love, joy, self-control. We, we have evidences and proofs of our salvation. <clears throat> but it all starts, it all begins with our faith and belief being exercised. By repenting of our sins, by giving our life to Jesus. I don't care if you've given your life to Jesus a thousand times. Every day is a new day to give your life to Jesus. Not because your salvation is hanging in the balance, but because we are imperfect, waiting for perfection. And every day is a new battle between our spirit and our flesh. And our flesh wants to sin, and our spirit wants to please God, and it's like oil and water. It's just eventually there's going to be a battle. And you've got to be ready for that battle. You've got to be ready for that fight. Now, because of Jesus, because of everything he's done, not, not based on anything you have done, not based on your efforts, not based on your giving, your church attendance, what your parents did, where you grew up, what church you were baptized in. None of that counts. What counts is your faith. Where is it? Who are you putting it in? You could be an atheist this morning. You're putting your faith in something. You have faith and you're exercising it. If you put your faith in Jesus, here is what happens. Okay? Here are are a multitude of the gifts we receive through the Holy Spirit of God. Number one is forgiveness. Have you ever had to seek forgiveness from a human person? Usually not our strong suit, right? Pride plays with our mind, and we have reasons why we did what we did. We were painted into a corner. We had to do it. And we go and we ask for forgiveness, but sometimes our, our plea or our, our apology is just another excuse. You see, before God, there's nothing hidden. We can't go before God and say, God, I, I sinned, but I had to. The Bible tells us there's always a way out. There's always another avenue. We, we, we have to remain steadfast. Flee youthful lust. I mean, these are all uh, just a, I am just giving you a potpourri grab bag of verses this morning. But in Jesus, we find forgiveness. That means whether it was just a little white lie, which is still sin, by the way, or you have killed somebody. Now, I pray, I pray to God that today nobody has killed anybody, at least not in recent you know, weeks. But even that can be forgiven. That, that whether you have lied or cheated or stolen, whether you've committed adultery, whether you have gossiped or backbitten uh, people, or you have just, you have just been vile, now, maybe times you were good, but, but there are times where you were not good. In Jesus, you can find forgiveness for all of that. The Bible teaches us and tells us that, that as Jesus suffered on the cross in Isaiah 53, that he was bruised, he was beaten, he was bloodied for our sin and our iniquities. So no matter what, no matter what thing you have done, no matter what sin you have committed, you can be not, not, just, not just winked at. Don't, 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 
think that God's just looking to go, okay, okay, Tony, we're not going to look at all that stuff you've done. No, no, no. God looks at me and says, Tony, you are a sinner, but my blood has washed you clean. I was bruised and broken for your sin and your iniquity. And, and, and it is washed away. In that same book of Isaiah, God says, come, let us reason together. Though your sin is as red as scarlet, I will make you white as snow. So we have an idea of what white snow looks like a little bit better than the rest of the nation. Amen. We know what that, how pristine that is when it first falls. And the Bible says that though our sin is red, like, like blood red, that, that same blood red blood of Jesus that washes it away makes us white as snow. We find forgiveness. You're not that sin anymore. You're not the, the adultery or the murder. You're not this or that. You are a brand new child of God because you have been forgiven. Approval. Now, this is a tough one. You might, maybe maybe not for you, but this is tough for me to, to where at the end of the day, I can sit back and say, you know what? God approves of me, not because what I do is right, not because I make all the right choices, but because of what Jesus has done. And I am desperately pleading, helping God, help me put my faith in Jesus. You see, when we stand before God on that day of judgment, we won't stand by ourselves. We will stand in Christ. It, it, we will be enveloped by him. The father will see his son. And that is why we will be forgiven. That is, that is why we will be, we will be allowed to, to go to be with him for eternity. Not because of what we have done, but because who we are in. And so we are approved as much as Jesus is approved. Have you read the Bible and read about how much the father loves the son? When Jesus gets baptized in the Jordan, the voice comes out from heaven. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus said that when, for those who are steadfast, for those who, who remain, for those who are presented before God and, and have given their life to them, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Approval, not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done. Love. And some of you don't even know what that word means today. You have not been loved by another person in so long that this just seems foreign and scary. I'm here to tell you that the love that Jesus has for you is unlike any other love. I simply cannot describe it to you. I can only share with you, please put your faith in him to experience the love. The love that, that was poured out on, on the hill of the skull, on the mount, mountain called Calvary so many thousands of years ago, that, that we will celebrate in just a couple of weeks. That, that Jesus' love has been poured out upon you, lavished. To get a great idea of what it means to be loved by God, read the account of the prodigal son in the Gospel of Luke. The son goes and wastes everything. He, first he goes to his dad and says, Dad, you're going to die one day and leave me money, right? And the dad says, yeah. And so he says, well, can you just give it to me now? Not the most appreciative child. He takes his inheritance. He's the younger of the brothers, probably got less than his, his older brother, but he goes and he spends it. Not, not investing, not building a home, not getting a wife, not, not starting a family. He spends it on prostitutes and gambling and, and just all of the things that you can imagine a young man would do with a big pocket full of cash. At the end of it all, it's gone. 
and he's lying in in and just hungry and so he becomes a slave herding pigs now for you herding pigs is probably not that big of a deal but for a young jewish boy being around pigs not kosher i mean literally it's not kosher and so that's where he ends up and he looks at what the pigs are eating and says he's so hungry i would i would just eat that if i could i've never looked at pig slop and thought that looks pretty good i've always thought to myself how could they eat that finally he says you know what i'll go back to my father's house i'll get a job with him at least at least i'll be in his house at least i'll be employed by him i'll have uh, three hots and a cot i'll just be i will be at least taken care of and he goes home and jesus says that this father sees his son at a distance coming home and the dad takes off running after him the dad in a dead sprint runs after his son and the bible says that he wraps his arm around his child i have kids some of you have kids when they come to you and you get to hug them it's one of the greatest things ever when they are sick and when they are hurting and then that turns around and you get to just you get to just love them oh it's the best imagine this father's joy seeing his son coming home before the son can even get the whole plan out cuz he's got a whole plan i'm going to i'm going to work for you dad i'm going to I'm just going to be your employee now. I'm an idiot. I shouldn't have done what I did. I'm not even worthy to be in your house. See, see, sinful son in the presence of a good father doesn't make the son more spoiled or more ignorant or more stupid. It brings conviction. And the father says no. He restores the son, gives him his his signet signet ring. Speaking of uh, uh, seals, throws a throws a, a cloak around him or or a, or a, a robe around him, and says we're gonna we're gonna have a party. We're gonna have a barbecue. We're gonna kill the fattened calf. We're gonna invite your friends because you were lost, but now you're found. You see, church, that's love. The boy did not deserve it, but yet the father lavished it upon him so joyous that his son would return and today if that is you returning as a prodigal you don't find a god with his arms crossed wagging his finger giving you all kinds of weird stories about how awful you are you find a god who's ready to just love you and throw his arms around you and forgive you rest i mentioned this week was a rough week last night you know I'll be real honest with you. This is not something I like to do, and I don't. I'm not bragging about this, but I went the whole week, and I just could not find time or make time to study for today's sermon. I was just beat. So many things happened. I had plans for other times, and things happened, and so there I was at 10 o'clock last night, sitting on my bed with my laptop, getting ready to study, praying. Tired. I was just beat, and I'm thinking to myself, this is the worst place to be in to get ready for a sermon people are going to show up they're going to expect to meet the holy spirit they're going to expect to meet jesus their life sucks they want it to be better what am i going to do i'm tired i just want to go to bed i can't i i put on a worship song and um you know my 
Some of you, your worship flavor is more traditional. Mine's just crazy. And I put on this song, and it was electronic. It probably is not something we do here on a Sunday morning, but I turned it on, and, and the chorus was, Oh, you brought me back to life. And as I began to just worship the Lord, just things began to change. I, I began to, at the same time, experience rest and start getting excited. It was like, yeah, like I want Sunday now. Let's go preach right now. Let's go have church at midnight at, at South Bay Chapel. Nobody's going to be there, but I'm just going to go start yelling at South Bay Chapel because there's good news to preach. Somehow, some way, God took my nothing and made it into something. And, and, and I give him all the glory for that because I did nothing to make it happen. Like, I did everything to make it not happen. The last thing I could have done, the only thing worse I could have done is just shown up this morning. Like, that's the last thing I could have done. But God still is faithful because he cares more about you than, than we care about ourselves. Amen? He gives us rest, and not just physical rest, but spiritual rest. Rest from the guilt. How many people love guilt? Love guilt? Anybody love guilt? No, me neither. I don't know why I'm raising my hand. Guilt is the worst to feel guilty over something. And, and there are times where I'll just be driving down the road and some memory from being 12 will pop into my mind. And I'll be like, why did I do that? What an idiot I was. Why did I do Why did I? I'll ask God for forgiveness. And I know he's forgiven me, but I'll be like, Lord, I, I know the blood of Jesus washes it. But I just want to make sure this one. That one, when I was 12 and I was an idiot, please make sure that one's included. Don't let that one go unseen. Don't let me show up on the Day of Judgment and be like, Tony, remember when you were 12 and an idiot? Oh, I forgot about that one. Now, the, the bad theology says you have to think of every little thing to present to God. The, the good theology, the biblical theology, is that all of it, as we come to him and we just lay it all down, it's forgiven. But, but I, I, did, I do things like that because they start with guilt. But in Jesus, I find rest from guilt. God doesn't forgive me with, with, a, with a stern brow. and Let me burn, do it again. God forgives me and wraps his arms around me. You know, like, like the woman caught in adultery tells me, go and sin no more. All right, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for forgiving me. Please help me to not be that idiot once again. We, in Jesus, we find peace. One of the things that boggles the mind of the world is that there is no peace in the world. And I'll tell you, well, Jesus said, blessed is the peacemakers. We should make peace. They missed the point. Jesus came and said, I, I come to give peace, but not like the world understands peace. I come to give peace between you and God. You see, church, you can have peace on this earth all day long, but if you don't have peace with God, you still end up in hell one day. And I don't see how that is is any better than anything like yeah you get a momentary reprieve from war but then the end of it is eternal suffering and fires of hell like i would much rather endure suffering here knowing that the war between me and god has been settled that i have i have laid down my arms i have waved my white flag and found a god that was forgiving and loving and peaceful towards me so the peace that we achieve and we attain is not necessarily peace with our relatives or peace with our friends or peace between nations. It's the peace between us and God. That, that we are no longer at war with the God of the universe. Sounds foolish when you put it in those terms, but that's literally what is happening before we know Jesus. When we are sinning, when we are actively engaged in sin. 
We are protected. This is good news. See, see, a sealed Christian is sealed on the outside protecting what is in and also preventing from the outside coming in. Can you imagine for a moment with me, may I use just a, a metaphor or an allegory of, of, the, of Noah's ark? The Bible says that when Noah built it, he, he, he put pitch on it from the inside and on the outside, protecting what was inside, keeping out what was outside. As Christians, we are sealed from evil. Now, we will still sin because we're dumb. I mean, that's just what we do. But hopefully, through the Holy Spirit, we develop a, a, a taste for grace rather than sin, that when we do sin, it's repulsive to us. It seems unnatural to us, whereas once it was a reflex, now it's like not anymore. It feels wrong when we do it because the conviction of the Lord is there. You see, Satan is real and sin is real and the demonic is real and they attack the Christians and the non-Christians are vulnerable. They are prey. They are unprotected, but the Christian is sealed. So now instead of a, a, a demonic uh, spirit coming in and infiltrating a Christian, which is filled with the Holy Spirit, they can only be piled upon. Still hurts, still hard, still war, but we are protected, we are sealed, we are, we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and we will overcome whatever Satan throws at us. We no longer have to fear him. He is defeated. It says that when Jesus was nailed to the cross, that he, he was defeated. The, the prince of this world has been judged. We are protected. We still may encounter Satan and demons and evil, but they cannot take what belongs to God. And if you belong to God, you cannot be taken. Amen? Lastly, made new. And this is just a brief overview. Made new. Here's, here's one of the hardest concepts to get across, that when you give your life to Jesus, you aren't just the same person trying something new or adopting new ethics or adopting new morals. You are transformed. Jesus says, that is you being born again. You were born once, and then you had to die to yourself to be born again. This is, why, this is why sin should lose its flavor after we meet Jesus. This is why our life should look different than it did before Jesus. If you've met Jesus and nothing has changed, I doubt you've met Jesus. Have you ever met anybody famous? Have you ever met somebody who had some type of like notoriety? And, and, and it just makes you giddy or, you know, oh my gosh, that person, I've seen them on the radio or seen them on the radio, heard them on the radio, seen them on television, and you just think, wow, what, a, what an experience. See, church, Jesus is like that times a billion. I mean, these, these people that we could meet that are famous, and you know, but Jesus. Now, if we can meet Jesus, and yeah, I met Jesus like three years ago. Nothing changed. I doubt you met Jesus. He's the son of God. Do you remember the Isaiah account in chapter 6? He fell. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm dirty. I don't. I can't be in his presence. Because he met Jesus. Now, the good news is we're ma made new. And as we've read in John and as we've read in other scriptures, we go from being a sinner, dead, at war with God, to being 
a child of God. I'm a pretty peace-loving guy. I don't hold a lot of grudges. The number one people on my list of not of people I'm not at war with, my kids. I don't look at my children as opponents or enemies. I don't look at them and say, okay, I'm going to overcome them today. I go, man, these are my kids. Look at them. This one looks too much like me, poor kid. But I just, man, I hope they turn out looking more like their mother. Like this is, these are my kids. I love them. They, what can I do for them today? How can I, how can I make them say, wow? What can I show them? Can I pick up a bug? Can I pick up a bug and freak them out without getting freaked out first? I grew up in the city. I don't like bugs. Can, can, can I do something that for them is like a daredevil move, but for me is like nothing because they just don't know? And can I look like a superhero to them if I if I just, you know, jump three steps off the stairs or something? And I'll do something, go a little faster than them. That's kind of running out real quickly. They're getting faster than me already. But I mean, what can I do? What can I, what can I show? Can I show them some cat video on the internet? Can I just show them some puppy that can't get off its back? Can I just show them something that they'll find cute? Can I take them to a movie? Can I, can I just show them something in the Word? Can I explain to them something about Jesus? Because they're not my opponents. They're, I'm not at war with them. Church, let that be, you know, if that's how you are with your kids, then that's a small glimpse into how God sees you. You're not his enemy anymore. He's no longer looking for ways to crush you. He's looking for ways to raise you up, to love you, to astonish you, to please you, to serve you. Church, that's that's it. That is it in a nutshell. I can't think of anything else in this life worth living for than Jesus. And if you have not met Jesus today, today is your day to give your life to Christ. I want to tell you, if you're a guest today, if you haven't picked a church, you don't know where you fall in all of this, I want you to know there are people praying for you. We don't know who you are before you come through the door, but we're praying for you before you come through those doors that you would give your life to Jesus. And if you do come here, and if this is your home, and, and we pray for you too. We pray that you would give your life to Jesus too. Pastor Ben, if I could have you come up, play some music. We're going to stand and worship a little bit more. So stand with me. I've been standing this whole time. I ain't tired. Yeah, go ahead. Pastor Ben's going to share something real quick, and then we're going to we're going to pray. Um, hi everybody. Uh, so as we were listening to the message. Uh, the Lord just really put something on my heart. I don't know if it's for just one person or for all of us, but the gospel message, rightly applied in our lives, is so important. And sometimes we kind of miss it because. We understand that when we give our lives to the Lord, that we should not be afraid anymore. We should not fear. We should not doubt. And um, I think the misunderstanding is that it doesn't come. Fear is still going to come into our lives, and doubt is still going to come into our lives. But it's the love of God that casts all that out. You know, I was sitting there holding Sophia, and when she's afraid, I don't say, don't be afraid. 
You know, I, I hold her, I acknowledge her fear, and I comfort her. And I think the Lord wants to do the same thing for some of you, all of you, to all of us today. Um, don't beat yourself up over fear or doubt because those are things that will come to you. But if you lift it up to the Lord through your transformed life, he will help you through that. Thank you, Pastor Ben. So now is your time for a response. What I have said, what Pastor Ben has said, what we're about to play musically, you need to know what to do. Here's what's expected of you. Ultimately, it's your choice. We can't make this choice for you. I can, I can, I can keep preaching. Honestly, I can do this all day. But all that has been said needs to be that needs to be said has been said. So here's here's the first thing you need to do: surrender. If you are at war with God, put up your hands, wave the white flag. Say, God, I surrender to you and to you alone. If your issue is pride, this is going to be hard. Just a little bit inside, most of our most of our issues are with pride. So the first thing we need to do is surrender. God, I have heard your word of truth. I have heard the gospel of Jesus, and now I choose to believe. And I give up to you, and I repent to you. Now, what is repentance? Repentance is a word that used to be said in church a lot, but isn't said so much anymore. What does it mean? It means you were walking one direction, and you repented by turning away to another direction. See, church, there's only two directions. Jesus or sin. There's only two directions. Repentance means you turn away from sin back to Jesus. Here's, the good, here's even more good news, that Jesus gives you the power to repent. That even as you need to seek forgiveness, He empowers you to do even that through His Holy Spirit. It's not just up to you. It's up to God and you together working. Worship. We all worship something. You all worship something. You all worship a team. You all worship a, an ideology. You all worship a, 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 a political party. You all worship something. There is only one person who is worthy of your worship. That is Jesus. As you surrender, as you repent, fold that up into worship to God. Bowing before Him, just saying, Lord, you're, you are so good. You are worthy. I am not. You, this is how simple I keep it. You are the best, and I am not. Help me, Lord as I worship you. And then lastly, be loved. Be, just, just allow the Lord to love you. Like the prodigal son's father, just allow the arms of the Lord to just be wrapped around you in love. Let your dad in heaven just hug you today. When you feel God's love, your first response, sometimes, at least for me, I'll just kind of bear some of my stuff. I don't naturally want to love back because I feel like I'm not worthy. I have to make a conscious choice. Lord, I, though I don't feel worthy, I know that you love me. I choose to allow you to love me. Church, if you are battling through today, if you are pushing through some deep, dark stuff, if you are going through depression and anxiety, and when we sing songs like Rejoice and you don't rejoice, and we sing songs like 
10,000 reasons, and you can't think of one reason. Accept that God has loved you. Let's close our eyes and pray. Amen? Jesus, you are the best. We are not. You are good. We are not. And we thank you that though you are good, you have saved us to make us good. In spite of everything that we've done to be contrary to you, you have died for us that we might receive sonship, that we might receive adoption as your children. And we worship you today. And Lord, as there are those here today that, that whether they've been here for decades or they just this is their first time through the door, we pray today is the day they give their lives to you. Your word says that this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. It's the day of our salvation. Lord, I'm just praying that today would indeed be the day of our salvation. And we earnestly look for your return. We, we, we wait anxiously wanting Jesus to come back, to take us home, to, to end this world that we've been in, not because we're bent on the end of the world or anything like that, but because we are waiting for the perfect to come. We are waiting for Jesus to come be with us. That which our soul is yearning for is not quite here yet completely. And we echo the words of John in the book of Revelation. We, we just pray, Lord, come quickly. And Jesus, may your people experience your love. May you refill them like, like an empty bucket. May you pour into them hope, faith, love, peace, rest, all of the goodness that you are so that we are overflowing, so that we are we are in the blink of an eye different than we were just, just before we came in this morning. And whether it's the weather, the economy, our past, the unforeseen future, our present, our lack of companion, the companion we have, our kids in that chaos, whatever we might be going through, we have you and nothing will take us out. Nothing will stand victorious over us as we are in you. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. Church, keep your heads bowed for just a minute. And we're just going to be quiet for just a second. As I've shared with you before, this is not my strong suit. Just be quiet before the Lord. We're going to practice that for just a moment. Just worship the Lord for a brief moment. last thing with me real quick. Breathe in as deep as you can. And just let it go. Church, as cliche as this is, it's true that that breath that you just drew in and, and let go is proof that God has something more for you. If your life were done, you would not have taken that breath. And you may not know what your future has in store for you, but I assure you this, that with Jesus in your present, the future will be taken care of.